Welcome to Equality Education, a show about inclusive teaching, supportive parenting, and a kinder future. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? I hope you are great. Thank you for being here today. So today on the show, I have a guest for you who is not just a guest, he's actually my friend. And I'm so thrilled that he is the first guest ever on my brand new podcast. Yes, today I have got for you the one and only Andrew Moffitt, MBE, who is the assistant head teacher at Parkfield Community School in Birmingham. Now, if you don't know who Andrew is, he is the author of several books, including No Outsiders, Everyone Different, Everyone Welcome. And he is the creator of the No Outsiders program, which is an approach to teaching primary school aged children about diversity and tolerance. Now, in 2019, he was shortlisted for the Global Teacher Prize for his work with No Outsiders. Yet at the same time, he had to face school gate protests from community members who disagreed with the inclusion of LGBT plus children's books in his programme. So I caught up with Andrew over Zoom, of course, and here is what he had to say about equality education. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Hello, Ollie. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for coming. How are you doing? Yeah, it's good. I'm good. You know, obviously it's strange times, but, uh, you know, you've got to be positive, you've got to be full of hope. And uh, it's Eurovision this week. So obviously so it's quite a difficult week for me and for my fellow Eurovision fans, but we're getting through it. Exactly. If ever there's a week to be positive, it's this week. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I'm super thrilled that you're here today. And actually, Andrew, you're my first guest ever of my new podcast. How do you feel? Oh, hooray. Okay, so I've got a few questions for you today. Um, but what I want to start off with is a little little icebreaker, a little fun one. So can you tell me and the listeners uh, a happy memory from your childhood? Yes. So I can think of uh, being eight years old and um, I had just discovered the Eurovision Song Contest. And in in '82. Uh, the winner was Germany with a song called A Little Piece by Nicole. And I just learned to play the guitar. And uh, my dad helped me to work out how to play this song, A Little Piece by Nicole. And there was a talent competition at school. And uh, I entered it. I put on a skirt and a floppy hat. And I sang A Little Piece by Nicole uh, in front of the school. And I won. And uh, it was absolutely wonderful. I can remember it vividly because it was just such a fantastic um, for me um experience because i you know farmer school was quite difficult for me I didn't have very many friends to be honest with you i was a bit, was a bit of an outsider I didn't fit in with the boys but you know to win this competition and to wear a dress frankly and to win this competition and, and be popular uh was a really good uh memory so yes i, w- I would say that oh my gosh that is absolutely adorable i can just imagine you in a little skirt <laughs> And actually, that's that's really good because that kind of leads to my next question. You, you touched on it a little bit there. So you're obviously from No Outsiders fame. That's the name of your educational program and now your charity because it's a charity now, isn't it? It is. So what I, I want to ask you, was there ever a time as a child when you felt like an outsider? I definitely felt like an outsider as a little boy. Um, you know, I didn't know that I was gay, but I knew I was different. I was definitely different to the other boys. Um, they were, you know, I, I can remember... There was a game called called British Bulldog. I don't know if you saw them still. No, don't, don't, don't play it in my school. Uh, I'm a teacher. I don't play my school. But when I, in, in the 70s and 80s in my school, you know, all the boys played that. And basically, you you, you stood at 
either end of the playground. Then you charged in and basically beat each other up. <laughs> just like wrestled to the floor and stuff. And that's just a game of one played every lunchtime, every playtime. I couldn't, I didn't want to play that. I, I know, I, I really, but, but there was no one else like me in primary school. No other boys like me. So it, I've definitely felt like an outsider at, at primary school. It was, very, it, it was a really hard, uh, hard time. Um, so my aim really is to, is to make sure that no child feels like an outsider for, for any reason. It doesn't have to be because of the reasons that I felt, you know, that there are lots of reasons why children feel like they are left out or they don't belong. And we need, we need all children to know that they do belong. Exactly. And that's interesting what you said, because that's exactly the same thing that I always say when I talk about my childhood, that I didn't know I was gay, but I definitely knew I was different. And yes. I think that is definitely the case for the majority, maybe, of uh, LGBT plus people. Uh, and I wonder if that's, you know, if that's a feeling that people of other identities feel as well. Yeah, I'm sure that's right. And um, and as a teacher, I want to be, you know, I don't want any child to go through what I went through as a as a, as a child. You know, um, I, I mean... I mean there is not one LGBT plus person that I know of my age that wasn't bullied in school. You know, I mean, literally everyone, you know, that, 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 that you meet, that I, that I meet, that I, well, my friends, they know when we talk about it, everyone has the same experience at school, which was that it was really difficult and there was bullying and, you know, and, you know but so now as a teacher, I can stop that. You know, I can make sure that no child, you know, and I know that it does happen today. If you look at stonal reports, absolutely, you know, it is it is still happening. But, you know, so as teachers, you know, we can do everything that we can to to create a culture in school so, so that doesn't happen. I don't want I don't want children to go through what I went through. Exactly. And that's definitely the same for me as well. And what I think is it's it's the trauma of for me it wasn't i i was lucky and i i wasn't bullied um throughout my my school life but i did have this sense of shame and humiliation and i had to put on this filter and not be myself for such a long time and i think i remember being 4 years old and uh making choices that would not give away who I really was. And I think for a four, five, six-year-old to have to do that, like that's that's emotionally traumatic and something that which will stay with you for the rest of your life. So I completely am on the same page as, as you, as in the sense that I want children to be who they are from the word go and not feel that they ever have to, to cover anything up. What are some of your favourite resources that you like to use so I use, I use uh, picture books. Uh, I realized about 15 years ago that picture books were the way forward. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes it accessible for teachers and for children as well. But also it, me it means that um, if you're discussing difficult topics or challenging topics, you can talk about the characters in the books and not really talk about yourself. So even though you are talking about yourself, you can project it and talk about the character in the book. You know, and you can you can have some really good teaching um, you know, points and really good experiences uh, talking about characters then afterwards relate it to possibly if it's safe to relate it to our own experience but you don't have to you kind of talk about the characters you know so so um, I would say the first book that I that I really um, you know was sort of inspired by was a book called This Is Our House by Michael Rosen and it's a little book about um a boy that says to children, you can't play in my house, it's all for me, and he turns children away. And uh, he says, um, you know, 
you you can't play my house because you're a girl. This house is not for girls. You can't play because it's not for children who wear glasses. Uh, you can't play because it's not for children who like rabbits. You know, and he turns children away all the time. And then George goes to the toilet and everyone jumps into his house. And um, and uh, George comes back and he's got red hair. So what do the children say to George? They say, you've got red hair. You can't come in our house. And it's the first time that he realises, you know, uh, what discrimination feels like uh, and, he, uh, and his own behaviour is sort of mirrored back to him. So he changes his mind and uh, can do so much with that book. And uh, so I really sort of based a lot of my work on that, that uh, on that kind of, um, uh, you know, that kind of story. And then I, I found um, Prince Henry, um, this book that you wrote. And uh, I really liked that book because um, a big thing for me about how you teach about LGBT equality in schools I think the best way to teach about LGBT equality is actually not to mention LGBT equality uh, and to talk about equality as a whole in which you make sure LGBT is included, but it's not the focus. The focus is, is the quality as a whole. And, and I love Prince Henry because um, I don't think you mentioned the word gay in the story. Do you mention the word gay in the book? No, not in the story at it's all. It's the word gay. It's not in the gay. It's not in no. the story, is it? No. I do. No, I which do is really when, significant. Um... I know some we sometimes clash because I actually market it online as like a gay fairy tale romance, yes. but I think that's because I want to bring people in. But I understand where you're like, no, don't call it a gay fairy tale romance. It's just a fairy tale, and I totally agree with you. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because what's really clever about that book is that um, is it Tom, no, Thomas is the servant. Who's just oh, it's Henry, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Henry, oh, Henry is gay. Uh, but that's never an issue. That's no. never an issue. That's the way it should be. It, it, this is actually about it's about class, really. It's about it's about marrying someone who is poor, you know, kind of rich person marry a poor person. You know, the fact that he's gay uh, is there, but it's just, it's not really mentioned. Uh, there's a lovely bit uh, in the middle where the king uh, brings lots of suitors to uh, possible uh, um, partners for he for uh, for Henry, and there's women and men in there. Uh, there's also someone in a wheelchair as well. I can picture the uh, uh, the scene, you know. So the the dad is fine about his son. It's not a question about yes, you could you could marry a prince, could marry a princess, you know. It's not a problem. It's only when he realizes that the that Thomas is poor that there's a problem. Uh, so that's a really really useful book, a really clever book uh, uh, for schools because it teaches children. But well, you know, that's just another way of being different. So obviously. Last year, you were in a difficult situation, uh, but thankfully, you seem to have come through that. Yeah, you know, stronger. I think you're amazing now. And what I'd like to ask you is, what advice would you give to any teachers or head teachers who would like their school or classes to be LGBT plus inclusive, but who are perhaps a bit scared of what might happen? Uh, well, there were protests last year, um, and it was very difficult. But the reason why we came through is because most people are supportive of this work. You know, the, the vast majority of people living in the UK today actually just want children to grow up and to know that there are different people out there, and that's okay. You know, and the whole point of living in the UK is that you can be different and you can get along with, with, with other people who are different. You know, so that's why, you know... Um, that the protest didn't uh, stop this work in schools, in my school or in, or in other schools. Um, in terms of messages to, 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 uh, to head teachers, I would say that uh, the answer is to focus on your equality ethos. It's not, it's not really just about being LGBT plus inclusive. You know, 
um, you know, it, it, it's it, it's the same thing about you know not having a discussion about being disability inclusive or about being inclusive of different faiths or inclusive. You know, it's about being inclusive of, of everyone. And within that, we can't ignore LGBT, but we also also shouldn't be a focus. You know, any more than you know race should be or gender should be. It's just a focus on equality and making sure that everyone is welcome. And that's why I like No Outsiders because it's about everyone. It's not just it's, it uses the Equality Act and the protected characteristics, and so it talks about teaching children that that everyone is welcome, and and there's not one difference that is more important than anyone else, but also there's not a difference that is less important than anyone else. So they're all on a sort of a on, on an equal you know uh, level playing field, or they should be, you know, and that's the aim for primary schools, you know. In our school, you can have black skin or brown skin or white skin. You can be a boy or a girl. You can have different gender. You can be gay or lesbian or trans or you can have disabilities or come from a different country or a different language. You know, everyone is equal in our school. No one gets treated differently. Um, so I would say to, to head teachers or to teachers, it's just to explore your quality ethos and have confidence that, you know, this is the way forward. You know, um, we're not going back to the 80s as schools. Um, you know, um, we know how this is going to end. It's going to end with all schools doing this work. We just have to get through this difficult bit at the moment, that's all. What is your opinion on the government guidance which came out with regards to relationship education for primary schools? Well, I think it's great that uh, governments are asking, the government is asking to, uh, schools to, um, to make sure that they reference different families. Uh, and that's really needed. I'd like to go further, really, uh, because there is there are lines in there about uh, schools can do LG, primary schools can do LGBT um, work or you know lessons if they feel it's age appropriate. Uh, and I, I find that that phrase sort of um, don't really like that phrase because it suggests that there is something that's not age appropriate about teaching children mm. by different families, you know and. No, we wouldn't say schools can teach about disability if they feel it's age appropriate. You know, so why is it okay to say that LGBT um, stuff, you know, might be not age appropriate? You see, also here, this is why it's really important not to have LGBT lessons. You know, in the outsiders, there are no LGBT lessons in the same way as there are no race lessons or disability lessons or gender lessons. There are lessons about equality and lessons about mm -hmm. difference and lessons about, you know, getting along. And within those lessons, we talk about ways that we're different. And sometimes, yes, you mention LGBT or disability or race. Sometimes we don't, you know, but it's just all about work, you know, recognizing ways that we are different and then, and then accepting those, uh, uh, those ways. Um, so, you know, even to have a separate section in the guidance about LGBT lessons, you could argue it's homophobic, actually, because mm -hmm. why is it separate? Why is, why is it separate? You know, there's not a separate bit about disability. There's not, not a separate bit about race, you know. So why separate it out? Um, so I, I'm worried that, that some schools may feel that they shouldn't do this work because, it, because they feel it's not age-appropriate. But the message is, it is absolutely age appropriate for a three-year-old to know that their two mummies are okay. You know, that's what we're talking about here. If a three-year-old girl has got two daddies, 
then it's age appropriate for her to know that her family is normal and it's just another family. You know, and that's, that's, that's what we're talking about here. So there really shouldn't be any debate about this. It's just teaching children that there are different families out there and that's all right. What is your favourite part about your job and teaching? Well, it's definitely the reaction from the children. I, I can remember a few years ago um, having a just. I remember a, a, a day, this feeling, this feeling cross. You know, you know, you feel grumpy. Uh, that you know, I can't remember what I was feeling grumpy about. And and I remember doing an assembly, and just within three or four minutes, just think, just being absolutely cheered up because of the reaction from the children. Um, and you know, it's great to you know. To, uh, my favourite part of the day is always standing on the playground at the start of the day as people come in saying morning, Mister Moffat, morning. I go morning, morning. Saying hello mm-hmm. to the parents, you know. Um, you know, just smiling. Uh, we are social beings, aren't we? And it's wonderful. I, I would really miss that if I wasn't in a school. You know, that 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 contact and those relationships. So it's all about uh, you know the relationships that you build and and. You know, seeing children progress in their learning and their understanding and their development. I, I'd say it's an honour to be a, a teacher. You know, and to have um, uh, to, to 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 work with a child from age four to age eleven. You know, so to really see those children, you know, grow and move through school. You know, I was at Parkfield School from 2014 till Christmas last year. So. What's that? Six years, five years, six years. So I saw children in year one, right up to year six. You know, so it's it's a real honour to be part of that that learning and that journey. Yeah, and I I don't think teachers are given enough credit for how influential they are, and how much uh, impact they have on on bringing up children in our society. Um, yeah, they are the key workers. Uh, especially at the moment um, with our current situation, I, I see them all doing virtual lessons, and I, I'm sure you're having to do things like that at the moment. Well, yes, yeah, so I've done lots of lessons, uh, you know, uh, sort of activities um, online, done some assemblies as well. Um, it's all about just keeping that um, that relationship going, isn't it? You know, um, you know, we are in a time of crisis, aren't we? But you know, we've mm. got to be solution focused. We've got to find a way forward through this and and what's been good about this the one good thing to come out of this i think is the community cohesion that has come out of this coronavirus you know um the, mm-hmm. i mean as a teacher you know i've never seen so much work go online and so much training and you know people sharing resources just yeah. being brilliant you know um i've been asking authors to read their stories online so i can make activities out of them and I mean, you did one you know yourself you know and uh you know uh, uh, and everyone says yes you know people want to help um but even down to i did an assembly picture about the um nhs clapping because i think even that's interesting uh because you know when people clap the nhs you know they're clapping people who are different. You know, no one's saying, well, I'm clapping the white nurses or I'm clapping the black nurses mm-hmm. or, you know, if I'm Muslim, I'm clapping the Muslim nurses. You know, no one's saying that. Obviously, people mm-hmm. are clapping nurses who are all different. You go into a hospital, you know, there's lots of nurses and doctors from different nationalities and different religions, you know, and everyone is, you know, is being celebrated and being clapped because that's what the UK is like. And, you know, so 
so we can build on this when we go back to school, you know, and hopefully it will really help to um, reduce hate, really. It's about reducing hate, but you know, we need to remember these times, you know, people coming together all down your street, people mm. coming together and clapping outside and waving to each other. People that might not have talked before, you know, people of different race, different religion, you know, um, different sexuality, different families coming together. That's what we need to be talking about and focusing on in schools when we go back. So let's have some fun now because it would have been Eurovision this weekend <gasps> and you're yes. the, next to me, the biggest Eurovision fan I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, you've ta- taught me equally about Eurovision as you have edu- education. <laughs> well, yes. Well, Eurovision is, is, is incredibly important. I would say Eurovision inspired me in all of my work because, you know, actually quite seriously, it has inspired me because what what is Eurovision about? It's about people of different nationality coming together and exactly. finding common ground different languages different cultures different race you know but they're coming together and enjoying their time together um so who would have won eurovision this weekend who was you who do you think would have won and who was you rooting for and i know who you would have been rooting for uh, do you that would have been san marino because <laughs> you, you love the quirky ones <laughs> I, I do love the quirky you. ones i do love the quirky ones i think i would have loved iceland to have won yeah because iceland was a uh, was very um First of all, they've never won it before, uh, so I'd like I'd like them to win. Uh, I'd like to go to Iceland next year, uh, you know, if they, mm. if, if they win. Uh, but also because it was just it was a very fun song. You had a great sort of dance routine going on. It was, it was very very funny. It was very quirky, and uh, and also it was a nice one because it was about it was about the song is about a dad talking to his yes, baby boy. Was. And it's about, you know, uh, will you like me? And the thing, the things that you don't know yet, and I, I, I'll be there for you. It's a lovely, lovely message. So Isom is one of the favourites. Andrew, what would you say to a younger you? <sighs> oh, I would say, um, I would just say, look, just it sounds so corny, but it's absolutely the case. Just keep being you. You don't have to change. It's all, you'll be okay. You see, when I was little, you know, um, when I realized that I was gay, probably around sort of 10, 11, um, you know, I never imagined having a boyfriend, never imagined getting married, you know, never imagined, you know, actually, do you know what? I never imagined being happy, actually, which is very sad for a little, a little child, but I never imagined I'd be happy because I just imagined that I would just, have this life where I'd be on my own and you know because there were no role models out there I didn't know any, I didn't know of any gay people apart from a couple of pop stars you know but they were so unreachable and untouchable um, so I'll just say look you know it's okay don't worry it's going to be alright you're going to find love you're going to be happy you know uh, just keep going you know it's going to it's going to get better you know there's that whole line isn't it? it's going to get better but it absolutely does you know and uh, I think that you know for children these days you need to look around look around and just see the diversity that is out there and see the different people you know and and you can change as well you don't have this you know you're not on a fixed path you know you can people change you know don't worry just keep being yourself it's all right amazing thank you for sharing that that was wonderful and um, thank you for being here and being my first guest today. Like, I'm literally thrilled that you're number one. As soon as I decided that I was going to do a podcast, I was like, I have to get Andrew Moffat. So thank Aww. you so much. And well, it's my um, pleasure. I look forward to working with you in the future. Excellent. And thank you for your work as well, Ollie. And uh, I look forward to working with you in the future. Anytime. Take care. Lots of love. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 
And that was the awesome Andrew Moffat. Wasn't that cool? I tell you what, I am so grateful to have him as a friend and a guide because Andrew has been so supportive and he has been instrumental to my understanding of equality education. So thank you, Andrew, and all the best. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you found this episode interesting. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are using. And if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, then please give me a little review. That would be great. Thanks. <laughs> and if you'd like to support this podcast and my work with Popnolly, then please check out popnolly.com forward slash donate. Amazing. Once again, thank you so much for being here and I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.